This is an Area Code podcast. So when I sit down to, and this is really with any kind of art, but video games in particular, I want to see the artist in the art. I want to see what yeah, yeah. they were wanting to show me. And mm-hmm. if that comes through very strongly, um, that, that'll have an impact on me because now I feel, I feel like I'm interacting with a piece of personal work uh, and I'm understanding someone that I've possibly never even met before. I'm understanding them on a deeper level. to another episode of Video Game Feelings. I'm really excited about the guest today. We have Walt Williams. He is a narrative director for uh, the video game Wolverine on the PS5 coming out in the future. I don't know when offhand, but it's coming out. You could probably go pre-order it or something at some point. He's also written for games like Star Wars Squadrons, Battlefront 2, and uh, more importantly, to me at least, Spec Ops The Line. That's a game that was a big deal for me back in the day. Uh, really sort of changed the way I thought about video games, in particular the shooting kind. It was a polarizing game. It's still a polarizing game, one lots of people talk about. And I was excited to talk to him specifically about that game and how he felt about it now. I want to lay the groundwork for this conversation by just telling you about Spec Ops The Line, and this will be a little bit spoilery. Spec Ops The Line presents itself as a straightforward sort of shooter game. Gears of War style sort of third person shooter. It feels very much like a shooter, like a military shooter, right? You're supposed to like go through and feel awesome and kill everyone and it's cool. Over time, you start to become very uneasy with what you're doing for a number of reasons. And basically, it's sort of revealed over time that your character is an extremely unreliable narrator, specifically because they're sort of going insane and are losing touch with reality. There are specific moments in the game where you think you are doing something noble and good and awesome and cool, things that sort of call back to like a Call of Duty modern warfare style set piece moment. And what you realize is you're doing the opposite. You're doing something morally inexcusable. There's a moment where you kill in, in, in painful fashion, a sort of village of innocent people. And you sort of realize that after the fact, that moment in particular is the moment where the game turns and you realize this is a game about sort of the moral abhorrence of the military shooter. That was a fascinating thing to play, especially coming out of sort of like a AAA studio um, back at that time. And so that is the game that we're talking about as you listen to us talk. And in fact, he seemed so excited to talk about it that I could barely hit record before he started launching into his particular experience making this game, which is what you're about to hear now. Uh, Literally the first words out of his mouth after I hit record. Here's Walt. Towards the end of Spec Ops, I had what could be considered a minor nervous breakdown uh-huh. uh, and just packed up my stuff and told my boss I was taking a two-week vacation and actually moved to Dallas and then flew back we after are, two we weeks are, and was like... We're yeah. on the warm-up, man. You're just launching into it. Yeah. This is good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that is like... Yeah. Is, is that in the book? I don't know if I it's remember. In it's in the book. I... I Okay, okay, I'm going to be honest. I think it's in the yep. book. <laughs> I wrote the book a long time ago, too. I barely remember what I wrote last yeah. week, let alone what I wrote uh, almost eight years ago, six years ago. I don't even remember when the book came out. I I have a lot I would like to talk to you about. Unfortunately, it's not going to all... We're not going to have time to talk about it because, like... 
you're one of those personalities I've been fascinated with um, for a while. Uh, but I think <laughs> Spec Ops was a big deal for me in particular, and I, I, know, I know it was a big deal for a lot of people, but I'm curious for you. I mean, it sounds, based on how you launched into this, like uh, it feels like that, that must have been a big deal for you too. I'm curious, like I want, maybe we can work backwards. How do you feel about Spec Ops The Line? Now, so if people don't know about what this game was, it was kind of like it was not first person, but it felt kind of like yeah, a was, yeah, first person it was third, military. Yeah, shooter. third person. Yeah, yeah a, a third person military shooter. Um, but it was like subversive in the way that it handled violence and uh, war content and yeah. stuff like that. I mean, in all honesty, I spent many years not liking it a lot. Hmm. It was a difficult development process. You yeah, know, and, and it's, yeah. it's hard to fully separate yourself from yep. that. I liked I liked that people liked it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I didn't particularly want to talk about it or anything. People would ask a lot of questions, and I'd just be like, because eh. <laughs> they were like, "Oh, tell me! Oh, I bet it was so exciting!" But it's like, I you know, it was I wanted to die a lot. Uh-huh. What, what's <laughs> like, the, what are the feelings you're having when people are asking? Is it insecurity or is it just like you being triggered left and right? Is that um, it's it was not insecurity, no. Um, and I wouldn't even say that it was triggering. It's just that, like, you know, you can run a marathon and you can be proud of finishing a marathon. Yeah. But you don't want to remember like the the pain of miles ten through twenty four, like or <laughs> twenty two, however many miles it is. Yeah. Like you, you know, you, you you like thinking about you know you remember how you felt at the beginning when you're like I can do this, and at the end when you're like it's done, yeah. but no one's like, hey man, remember that part where your bowels just like completely gave up on you when you shit yourself in the middle of the racetrack? Yes. Oh, that was so great. You're right. Yeah. If it's that bad of a marathon, you don't feel like uh, s- having a celebration party in that moment exactly. that you finish. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Yes. And and so it's now I I much I mean we're ten years on uh, I'm much I'm much happier uh, mm-hmm. with it because mm-hmm. uh, for one uh, age dulls a lot of those kind of memories. Yeah. So I I remember remembering more than I remember actually doing. Um, mm-hmm. so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm able, you know, the, the good memories have essentially, you know, the cream has risen to the top. I remember the people that I worked with that I, that I genuinely enjoyed, yep. I genuinely cared about and that I miss greatly. You know, I remember, uh, I see pictures of Berlin. I see people in Berlin and I'm like, God, I miss Berlin. I'd love to go back to Berlin. Um, but yeah, so like there's that aspect of where the, the good memories have risen to the top, but also now I'm able to... You know, uh, my career has gone to a point where I've been able to to work on a lot more projects since then mm-hmm. that I never would have dreamed of having the chance to work on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Spec Ops is a big part of why that has happened. So okay. I'm yeah. able to look on it with appreciation as well. Uh, and honestly, I mean, just, hell, just the fact that we're still talking about it 10 years later. Like, yes. I just wasn't expecting that when we were working on it. So, like, that's... <laughs> I mean, it's kind of neat. I mean, I will probably be fielding questions about Spec Ops until I die, which, as I say it out loud, is suddenly not as exciting as it seemed in my head. Right. Um, but <laughs> so, so I, a lot of what you just talked about is either the the making of Spec Ops or the legacy of Spec yeah. Ops. I'm curious, like, when's the last time you played it? I've only played it twice. Uh, I played it. Uh, I played it six weeks after it shipped, which is about the standard time that I wait uh-huh. uh, after a game I work on ships. I wait about six weeks. Okay. Because after that, I kind of, I'm curious. Because as a writer, here's the thing. Um, I'm gonna check out of a game production yep. before everybody else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to need to be uh, testing too many things uh, in that last little stretch. Um, so, especially in, in when I was a lower level writer as well uh, mm-hmm. on, on older projects. Um, but so about six weeks after game ships, I'm like, well, did they mess it up? Yeah. When I stopped <laughs> looking at it, did they mess yeah. it up? I, I kind of feel like I need to see now if they messed it up. Yeah. Uh, and so that's when the curiosity kicks in. So I played it once uh, six weeks after it shipped. And then I played it a second time right before 
for my I gave a GDC talk in 2013 and I needed mm-hmm. some screenshots from it so I had to play and, and this is where I learned to not not backload all of your important uh, narrative moments because uh-huh. I had to play through the whole game to get to the ending to get the screenshots <laughs> Um, and I was like, well, this yeah. is annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've played myself, unfortunately. This is entirely my fault. But right. uh, but I, I did. I got the screenshots I needed. And those are the only two times I've ever played it. So outside of those craft things, like how did playing through it make you feel that second time? Were you, were you proud of what you made? Uh, I, yeah, sure. 2013. Like, that was kind of like it was very much still in the air. It was, it was like a yeah, still, it was like it was yeah, still I mean, something people were talking about. It felt like yeah, I mean, it was still uh, it was within a year, I think, of it coming mm-hmm. out because it probably would have been mm-hmm. May 2013. Yeah, were you like this is pretty good? You know, when you yeah. got to the the payoff or whatever at the end. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, like I still yeah, I de- at the end I was like this this is good. The ending's yeah. really nice. This is a yeah. uh, this came together well. Um, yeah, yeah. I I mean, proud is such a weird word with writing because it's like i can i can like a thing that i wrote when i write it when i right after i wrote it and i can it is yeah i can like it a little bit later but at a certain point like i become so disconnected from it like i don't even like i will i've seen videos (laughs) of spec ops say in the last year or so uh Hmm. i'm like i i'm like i wrote that that's Mm -hmm. wild i like i don't i don't even remember being the person who would have like written that sentence um because you know you evolve as a writer so much over the course i mean yeah. and i was like what god i was like 25 when i started working on that i'm 40 now uh i'm, I'm a i'm a I've, I've been like seven different me's since then uh so it's you know it, it's it's a bit of a time travel uh, aspect to it to it when i think about it, or i see the little clips of it um and i'm i'm proud of i'm proud of young walt but I feel like uh-huh. this Walt, this Walt had nothing to do with it. It was entirely young Walt. The uh, crazy thing, though, is, I mean, if, if it's me, um, I think I've been making podcasts that long. And there, and the the things that I made podcast-wise still have an impact, right? Like, like, I still kind of feel like they have defined a lot of who I am creatively. And I'm curious if it's the same for you. Like, are there things you're doing now that have carried forward from that moment in time and a lot of the lessons you've learned are the things you tried creatively in that moment. Yes. Yes. I'm trying to think how I can answer this in a way that sounds There have been times in projects since then where after writing Spec Ops and the reset and, and what we set out to do with that story uh, and succeeding I mean, I'll be like when the game shipped. I had no uh, idea how it was going to be received. I, going into it, I thought it'll this will be received pretty well. And then yeah. the Mass Effect three ending debacle happened, and I was like, oh, oh, we're in so much trouble. Oh no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I completely misjudged our demographic. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, but then, but then, no. Then it came back around. And people were like, oh, oh no, they got what we were doing. But I, before that, we had gotten that response. I was like, I will probably have to write this story again better when I'm a better writer to, to accomplish what we're trying to do with this. And I ended up not having to do that. Uh, people got it. You know, we, we, we made a, a really uh, solid story and people got what we were trying to say. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, make a sequel or, blah, 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 you know, make a spiritual success. We're like, well, why? We told that story. Like, there's no, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's nothing else to say there. It's, it's a pretty finite message right. <laughs> like uh you know if, if you want more of it then you i think you might have missed the message i think you right. just frankly like, i do not want to play that guy again yeah no yeah. no it's like I, give me 60 bucks i'll stomp on your toe like you know i'll punch you in the stomach that's the same basic thing that we're doing here it's your fault you got hurt and i still got paid i mean there we go there you go that's that, that's there's your spec ops too so like moving on from that i kind of was like i want to see you know for a while, it was just like, I just want to write stories that are well-written and entertaining. Mm. Um, mm. I don't necessarily feel like I need to try and... What's the next message in a story that I need to get? Like, like I have... The next you know, subversion that you yeah, like, to do. Yeah, like, 
what what else is there to subvert in in video game narrative and triple a narrative especially like you have to gotta be go out <laughs> it's gotta be well, something. i mean you can you can write a subversive narrative but spec off specifically was subversive about the medium and yeah. and the triple a genre and so yeah. like i could write a subversive story about something that's not game focused but then you know i could have written that as a book i could have written that as a screenplay it didn't necessarily have to be a game i feel like the strength mm-hmm. of spec ops came from the fact that it was really uh you know looking in on the act of playing it mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i just wanted to write some things that uh would be well written uh that people would enjoy the because at the end of the day i'm a writer at heart so like you can say whatever you want about the game but if you just say hey i think you put words together real pretty I'm gonna be like, oh my god, thank you. So that's like the nicest thing I've ever said to me. Yeah. Oh wow, that's so yeah. sweet. Like that's just that's all I want to hear. And I don't know, I don't know why I revert to like southern accent when I say that, but I do. Here's the other thing: I wanted to make a story that wasn't gonna break my brain and like leave yeah. me a shattered husk of a person when it was over. Yeah. yeah. So, cause that was rough. You know, I I had years of therapy after Spec Ops. Um, so so what was it about of... Spec Ops that broke your brain? Was it the, the the actual process itself, or was it the nature of of what you? I'd say writing? I'd say probably a mixture of both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the process itself, uh, being so disconnected from uh, family, living on the other side of the world, living mm-hmm. in hotels, living in apartments, mm-hmm. um, and then just you know living in that dark mindset. Because I wasn't just like, oh, would it be really messed up if this happened? Like it wasn't. We were. I was. We were trying to get. Uh, a, we were trying to tell moments that were true to what you were going through and were impactful and organic and not just like superficial shock value. I could do superficial yeah. superficial shock value all day long and feel nothing. Like I, I love schlocky, trashy cinema to mm-hmm. to the bone. To just like it's some of my absolute favorite guilty pleasure. And 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 I I feel nothing other than. That's hilarious. Don't you kind of want to be in the writer's room for Mortal Kombat a little bit? Like, I, um, I have thought about that so often. It's just how fun would it be to just sit in that room and go, okay, but what if he makes their head a puppet? Like, <laughs> you know, I would have so I would I would have a lot of fun. With it. I would I would probably I would be like the guy who comes in real. Like kind of shy and quiet and like, oh, well, maybe, you know, I'd test the waters with a few things and like, oh, people seem to like it. Oh, people thought that was funny. And then like come in with like idea number five and someone's like, dude, what the fuck? Why, why would you even say that? It's like, oh, I thought we were all on the same page, man. I'm so, oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll go home now and feel feel bad about myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> So um, you mentioned the Mass Effect 3 debacle and feeling like you were in trouble. I mean, you weren't totally out of the woods, right? Like, one of the things I remember from this is that people had criticisms. And from my perspective, they would be considered legitimate criticisms, I think you could you could argue. And, and, yeah. this, and I mean, the, the thing, I think the most common was, you made me do this. <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah. Like this was now. I know the comeback to that, right? This was like the the comeback to this wasn't up to me. You made me do all these terrible things, and now you're making me feel bad for the terrible things. I think all of that conversation just meant it worked, right? Like that. That's all a good sign. But I, I I'm curious, like if you received any of that criticism as um, more as legitimate and like and something that changed the way you would write in the no, future. Never, absolutely not. No, I learned nothing. Interesting. I learned nothing from the criticism. <laughs> Look, all, all, almost all, I would agree that all, almost all criticism of the game was legitimate, but it was really only legitimate because people wanted a certain thing out of the experience, and we yeah, wanted yeah. the experience to be a certain other thing, and we gave them that True. certain other thing. I mean, you know, yeah. like, I can go to a restaurant and want a pizza, but they only serve hamburgers... Right. And I can't, and, and I lay my money down and be like, why is this hamburger not a pizza? How dare you take away my agency at this McDonald's, sir? And, and I, like, what are they going to do? They don't make pizza. Yeah. They make burgers. Yeah. They gave me what they make. You know, like, there's, 
there's an aspect of it's like yeah if you want a game to be talking about choice and giving you a certain amount of choice okay sure that's a legitimate thing but at the same time every choice you make in a game someone made you do it there's yeah. no there's no agency in games there is there is um there's fake agency we don't right. actually give you agency we give uh, going i'm I'm sorry for all the listeners. I'm always going to relate things to food. This is just how my brain works. Mm-hmm. I can give you a slice of pizza, mm-hmm. and I can you can fold it up, or you can eat it with a knife and fork, or you can throw it away. But there's still only three things you can do with that piece of pizza. You didn't have any agency. I just I gave you the pizza, and you just ate it one of two ways, or you threw it in the trash can. You it, you you didn't say I want cake and get cake. You only yeah. had the pizza, and it's because I gave it to you. And you also only had the knife and fork because I gave you that too. So right. like you, there is no true agency in video games. It's all an illusion. But that's the thing. Everything in video. I mean, this is a medium. All artistic mediums are illusions. You know. I mean, you know, the movies are the greatest illusion because, you know, you're you're looking at still images moving so rapidly that your brain is like, yes, this is actually moving in front of me. It's a lie. Your brain is lying to yeah. you because it's all lies. But that's what's great about it is that we have found ways to lie and get paid for it, but not yeah. not in the, you know, the bad way. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet you did refer to it, though, as a punch in the stomach, and that's not something video games did very much. People, yeah, we didn't like punching people in the stomach. In in video games, so um, th- that's still, I think, pretty true to to some. Well, actually, it's a, a hell of a lot less true now than it used to be. Um, there are a lot of games that will punch you in the stomach. It's just there's a category for that now, and I think I do think some of the reason that people were upset is like you had this thing that was ostensibly a pizza. But it was like a new kind of pizza with cheese in the crust, and people didn't really like cheese in the crust. Oh, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like uh, people thought we were giving them a sausage pizza, and they took a big bite, and then I was like, it's actually horse. You just See, ate a horse. that's a better analogy. <laughs> yeah, you just ate a horse. That's right. That's right. So that's mean uh, a little bit. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can understand how people would be upset about that. That's I mean... Fair. Kind of, because, I mean, here's the thing. You know what? I've actually had horse pizza because okay. someone was like, you want to have horse pizza? I was like, well, no one's ever offered me horse pizza, so, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Hmm. Okay, yeah. that's what horse tastes like. Moving on. Uh-huh. I mean, but that, like, here I with games and food, because, again, everything will come back to food, Um, I'll put, I'll, I'll, I'll try anything you put in front of me, and and I'll and I'll try it twice just to make sure I hate it. Because, like, you know, I know what I like, and sometimes I'm going to go back to what I like because you want some comfort. But, man, there, you know, I didn't figure out I liked that stuff until I had tried something new. I think, I think part of the illusion of video games that we've built around the, uh, is this idea that you matter. Your choice matters. This is all about you. You are, the, uh-huh, you are uh-huh. too smart to fall for advertising, which is why we're not advertising to you, the brilliant person who knows a good game when he sees one. Like, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. You're right. I do know a good game when I see one. And you are sh- the fact that you know that means that you make good games. Here's $60, uh-huh. sir. Oh. Right. Um, we, you know... Fandom has become very profitable. Uh, mm. You know, you build uh, book series around fandoms, TV series, movie series. I mean, the MCU is, is is a great example of, you know, really taking fandom to an extent that we've never seen taken in a film in, in a film medium before. And, and look, yeah. I uh, yeah. unabashedly will admit uh, up until the, the new crop of films after Endgame, I saw every single one in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Were they all great? No. Did I get a little bored of them by the end? Sure. But also, no one had ever made a an 11-year ongoing narrative of blockbuster films before. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be yeah. there for everyone. I just want to see how they pull this off. Like, I was, right. I was, I was awed by the chutzpah of all of it. It's like a mate. Like the fact that you even think you can do this. I'm in. Let's uh-huh. go. Right. Um, yeah. What game have you been playing? 
and how does that game make you feel? Here's the thing about video games and me. Uh, we have a very antagonistic relationship. I cannot play a video game during what I would call waking hours without feeling extremely, exceptionally guilty and wasteful of my time. Oh. Is that like uh, is that something that's like built into you, or was that taught? It's not built into me. No, no, no. Uh, I used to I used to lose whole days to video. I I, I almost failed out of college because I was just I go to class. I have a PlayStation Two. Jack and Daxter uh-huh. just came out. Let's roll. Um, yeah. what new Final Fantasy? Pfft, what's geometry? I don't need that. This is something that has developed in me with adult maturity and a, mm-hmm. a growing amount of responsibility. I always feel like there's something I need to be doing, whether it's yeah. writing the thing that I'm being paid to write, writing something that no one's paying me to write that I feel like I just need to write, like a novel or something, doing things around the house, um, exercising, reading a book, painting, spending time with literally any member of my family. All of the things that I'm not doing come rushing to my head if I'm playing a video game during waking hours. And by waking hours, I mean other people in my immediate circle are awake. Yeah. If I want to enjoy playing a video game, I have to wake up early. And by early, I mean Mm -hmm. 4 a.m. I will wake up at 4 a.m. and I will play two, two and a half hours now about my kid wakes up around seven, so I I could get about three hours in uh, before my kid wakes up and feel great. Those those two to three hours they are the peak video game time for me because the world is dead. There's nothing like I can't. I could I could read a book, and some mornings I do choose to read a book. Um, but like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go downstairs and watch TV. The TV may wake the kid up. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to go into the garage and hang up the that uh, rack that I've been meaning to hang up for three months because that's definitely going to wake the kid up. You know, I, I'm not going to, if I go walk out the front door, the alarm's going to beep, the dog will start barking, the kid will wake up. All of the things that I should be doing during the daytime, I cannot do in the pre-morning hours. So I only can play video games or read a book. So I don't feel guilty about being leisurely in that time. I'm able to enjoy it. The only other time that I feel not guilty about playing video games, because I can't play them at the end of the day, I'm way too tired. My brain, I try to play a game at the end of the day and my eyes glaze over and my brain is just like, I don't know, man, just push some buttons. I don't, I, yeah. Better idea. <laughs> let's go to sleep. Let's uh-huh. just let's just go to sleep. Um, yeah. Like I'll put on shows that I'm dying to watch and like 15 minutes in, I'm out, I'm done. Um, uh-huh. But if it's waking hours, if I'm sitting down and playing a video game with my kid, that's yeah. the sweet spot. That's the good stuff. So the question was, what am I playing right now? Right now, I am playing Kirby All-Star Allies, I think, is the the, the first. No, it's not it's not the not the fighting one, but it is the you do uh, recruit the enemies as your friends and you can have up to four of them following you around. Okay. Um, It's the it it came out on the switch. It's the side scroller one. It's not the fully 3d one. Like the recent one that came out. We, my kid and I already Mm -hmm. played through that one. Um, she's, we went on a vacation, uh, to a house that had actual TV. So there were commercials in between shows. Uh, and so they had commercials for the new Kirby game. And she came home like, daddy, you have to buy Kirby. I was like, you don't even know what Kirby is. You have no, you have Uh no, Is this what yeah, my parents had? Oh my gosh! Is this what I did? Did my parents like go? Oh my god! God, I need Castle Grayskull. You gotta buy me Castle Gray. Like, mm. mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, mom and dad. Um, but after like two weeks of her just like bugging me, get Kirby. I was like, you know what? Mom's going to pottery class. We're hanging out tonight. I bought Kirby so we can play, and she mm-hmm. loved it. And and she can't play mm-hmm. it yet. She can move around the town where she's not getting attacked and and has a great time. Um, yeah. but when we get, would go to the levels, I would play and she would just sit there next to me and like wrap the tension like to the screen. Uh-huh. So it's, there's a, there's, How old is she? she's six. Um, okay. she, uh, she plays Mario Kart. She, she's, and she's getting better all the time. That is the one game that she does feel comfortable playing that has a competitive edge to it. Really just any game. I think she'd probably be fine. Any game where you're not going to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. just because, you know, I mean, kids when they're young, Repeated. I mean, you remember how we were when, like, you play the first Mario game and you would just like keep dying. Like, you would throw the 
the controller across like there were a couple times on like some hard levels on kirby i had to be like okay honey daddy's gonna put the controller down he's gonna walk to the kitchen he's gonna eat half the cheese in the fridge okay and then we're <laughs> and then we're gonna try again and she's like are you okay daddy's very much not okay but uh, Daddy is trying really hard not to show you that. So just let Daddy eat his cheese. You want some crackers? Here you go. Have some saltines. Uh, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's like I can't rage quit in front of my kid. She's going to think she did something. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of uh, – for what it's worth, those Kirby games are really very fun to play, even on my own. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm living vicariously through her when I'm playing them with her. I'm, I'm – I'm, tapping into a joy of video games that I have not personally experienced except in very rare occasions for probably decades at this point. Um, when I play stuff for myself, what I'm playing right now, I do have, I started the quarry, um, earlier Uh in the week. uh Uh, I've made it through the prologue because that's about as much time as I have right now to play video games as I made it to the first hour of the game. Um, and, I mean, here's like I said earlier. I love schlock. I love, and so uh, until dawn, I thought was it was okay. Um, I didn't get all the way through it. Um, it 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 was a bit too on the serious side. It was a bit more like uh, mid '90s, early 2000s horror. Uh, but it was it was good. Yeah. It just it didn't it didn't fit. You know, I, I was born in 81, and so I grew up with a lot of the, you know, my knowledge of horror came from, like, sneaking down the horror aisles at video stores and, like, looking at those boxes right. in the backs and trying to figure out, what is this thing about? And I've since, you know, the past few years, I've been hunting those movies down that had this wild impression on me, and, like, uh, I still dream about walking down horror aisles, and I, I feel sad that my kid won't have that experience, but watching these movies and being like, man, this stuff is, one, not scary, too amazing just like terrible and beautiful in in every possible way so uh, the quarry really kind of taps into that with for me with the with the summer camp uh thing uh and i Uh am uh i have this next week off and i'm very excited to just dive into that and really play the whole thing because um because i do i just i love i love like drive-in style kind of schlocky 80s horror, 80s sci-fi, 80s action. Mm-hmm. You know, when 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 an action movie could be a hard R and you would see some like really questionable special effects but you'd still just be like, "Man, we're watching a movie." <laughs> oh, we're watching a movie. <laughs> like that's I I really really uh in you know, it's fun. It's enjoyable to just uh, What's the difference between watching that movie and playing it though? Like how? What's the feeling difference of watching? The feeling play? is, I have much more terror um, playing a yeah. video game. Now, a lot of people would say yeah. it's because interaction. I don't think that's for me. That's not the case. Like, I mean, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna feel a little bad if I oh I picked the wrong choice. Oh, they got their head cut off with an axe. Sorry, but it's like yeah. I have like natural built-in instincts when I'm watching something that I can't do in a video game. Because in a video, and, and I think mm. this is the this is the I think most people Interesting. do. Yeah, this is the brilliant thing about playing a horror game. You can't look away. You have to keep your eyes on the uh-huh. screen, or something uh-huh. bad's gonna <laughs> yeah. happen. That is that is the that, true innovation of, of a horror video yeah. game, and I respect mm. the hell out of it. I love it. I have been trying to play horror games <clears throat> for maybe four years now. I love horror movies. I love them a lot. I've tried Outlast, I've tried Alien Isolation, I've tried these games and uh, really struggle to get through them and I have not been able to figure out why. And I think you just articulated it. Like you have to stay you present to stay the present. entire time. I, you cannot check out in any way, shape or form yeah. and it's, uh, it's rough. And I don't, I don't want to stay present the entire time. I mean, even when I'm watching something I'm all in on, I'm like... Yes, guys. I got. I have extreme ADHD, and I'm and I'm yeah. and I'm old and I'm tired. At some point, yeah, I'm just gonna look at my phone. Like I just, <laughs> like, I'm just gonna right. walk out of the right. room and I'm gonna listen to you while I go brush my teeth. I want to go back to to Kirby because yes. you mentioned just that you just said that you you t- you're you're living vicariously through her as you're playing that game or as she's playing it. Um, and 
I, I, I think, I think that's different and distinct from nostalgia, right? I think it's a different feeling, a different impulse. Yes, I actually um, think it's the purest. Uh, it's the it, nostalgia is an attempt to recreate and recapture that feeling, and this is mm-hmm. actually recapturing that mm-hmm. feeling. This is mm-hmm. I have since playing games with my kid. Uh, I have I have refound a joy in video games, and there's and it's not just that just this though. I'll get to the other one in just a second. But I've refound a joy in playing games that I I had honestly thought I had lost, and I and I thought probably it just came about from working in the industry that you know it is hard mm-hmm. to I lost a lot of the ability to become immersed in video games. I cannot turn off certain parts of my brain when I play video games. Um, whether it's uh, professional jealousy yeah. or noticing the seams or just, you know, knowing how the sausage gets made. Um, or, again, just the guilt of, like, you should be, you really should be working on the game they're paying you to make right now, not sitting here playing this mission on this other game. Playing with her, playing with my kid, mm-hmm. she sees everything. She's at that age where she can, uh, she understands uh, emotional uh, changes in a story. She understands emotional tone and she responds mm-hmm. to it. Uh, she feels it deeply. She understands what's happening on the screen, but she's not yet old enough to know that this stuff always works out. So like yeah. when you get that, you know, uh, end of the second act turn where suddenly everything uh, turns against the hero and it looks like all is lost. She genuinely believes all is lost. We got to the yeah, point yeah. in in the in the, the latest Kirby game that came out, came out where your little friend, uh, spoilers heads up if if you're you know really into not being spoiled about Kirby stories, um, gets kid. <laughs> I heard so many people talk around whatever you're about to say in various video game podcasts. So I'm pretty excited to find okay. out what it okay. finally is. Uh, well, you see, I don't care about. That. I like this is y'all's problem. Whoever if you haven't played it yet, uh, it's been out for I don't know months. Yeah. Um, your little friend, Lafleur, a little blue fairy thing with big ears, gets kidnapped by King Didi, and this is like, you've still got like a third of the game left. And my kid was like, we have to rescue her. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, yeah, we can finish it tomorrow. What if King Didi kills her? <laughs> like, well, I mean, In like, the, the game is gonna, like, if we pause the game, it's gonna, he could kill her. She could die <laughs> if we don't save her right now. We had we Your daughter is Liam Neeson yeah, from We Taken played right now. the whole rest of the game like that night yeah. because she just she was genuinely like this is a real life or death situation. That character mm. is now facing death and dad, you are the only person who can keep her alive. Mm-hmm. And if you let her die tonight, I will never ever love you again like that was the level of like she was just all in i'm just like yeah i'm not gonna stop i mean i've never been this all this is amazing like i am i am genuinely jealous at your level of engagement your ability to suspend disbelief i mean it's not even suspending disbelief Uh because you're all in you believed it from the beginning um i've never been this immersed in something And, and so yeah we played all the way to the end and then it turns out oh your friend so there's like an alien presence that like Teaks people's minds and sends them to some dream world and grows stronger. It's like some hive mind, whatever thing. It's you know, it's Kirby. Uh, the science is not the strongest, um, but it turns out uh, your friend is part of it, uh, and it broke away. It was the only good part of this evil alien thing, and it broke away. And so the the friend gets absorbed back into the evil alien, and then you have to fight it. Um, and so now my kid's like, we have to kill her. We have to kill her. The f- friend and the yes, alien. Yes, you have to fight your friend them together. Okay. Um, and it, and then it is that resolved. It, in the it end? is. It is resolved. Um, it okay. get the it can gains enough control to intense. uh put itself on the other side of the alien dimensional portal and shut it and be lost to you forever. But then finds a way to come back on its own. The good part and comes back. <laughs> but like the emotional roller coaster that my poor child had to go through. <laughs> understanding that characters you like can be put in mortal peril. You can do everything you can to save them. And then there are plot twists where suddenly, then if it's a video game, you're going to feel, you're going to yeah. experience this one a lot. 
your friend's the bad guy. Oh, no. <laughs> what will you do? Well, you're going to kill him. You're going to kill your friend a lot if you play video games. That's just, it's our go-to thing. We love, we yeah. love a friend that turns against you. We really, almost as much as we love bearded murder dads escorting children around worlds full of murder people. We re- that's our Oscar bait. That is our Oscar bait. <laughs> um, why? Why is the why is the friend is your enemy thing? Why does that keep happening? Uh, because um, we feel one. We need a voice in the ear. Everyone, every video game. When here's when you are the main character. Um, someone's got to be telling you what to do because you, the player, you don't yeah. know anything. Uh, so you yeah, don't yeah, yeah. have the uh, the narrator uh, knowledge that uh, you would have as a main character in a book or in a film. So there's got to be someone there who's talking to you. You know, the voice in the ear, the guy in the uh-huh. chair. Um, but we also need a plot twist. We feel like if you if you know what you're trying to do, and then you get to that point in the end, and then you do it. Yeah. Well, that doesn't that wasn't very fulfilling. But that's a post Bioshock thing. Right, like no, I don't, I think I don't it, remember I, that before Bioshock. It felt so novel I, in Bioshock. I think Bioshock so... was probably the first biggest one. Sure, uh-huh. uh, I think Far Cry Two did it right. Maybe so. Maybe I'm not. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't get very far in Far Cry Two, but oh, uh, Mitch, my good friend game. Mitch Dyer, loves Far Cry Two and talks uh-huh. about it all the time. Um, and I just remember I got to the part where you had to fix your car. <laughs> and you pick up a socket wrench, and it's like, hold A to fix car. And yeah. you just like, vroom, vroom, vroom. and I was like, literally none of this is true about fixing a car. <laughs> I'm done. Love, uh, and it's not. The, the best part is, I mean, all the stuff, I mean, you're just like wrapping bandages around multiple gunshot wounds. It's so good. It's so good. It's just, I, I and, and okay, let me, I, I feel like I need to come in and not defend myself, but burn myself. I don't know anything about fixing a car. Sure, yeah. But I do know <laughs> that randomly socket wrenching part of an engine is probably not going to do it. And two, we've got the the little circle buttons, the the the, the not the D pads, but the, yeah. sticks. the sticks. Why yeah. didn't you make me hold the A button? That's right. not immersive. All you've done is remind me how much of a video game you are. <laughs> like, n- at least make me like move a stick in a circle. Come on, that, that, like anything that's like hold. I don't. I love th- this new thing that we put in games, which is like autocomplete button mashing or QTEs, like. Great. I don't want to do that. Autocomplete. Oh, I like want, an accessibility like, feature. Yeah. Yeah. Give me that. Yeah, yeah. Give me that. Hundred yeah. percent. Like, because here's the here's the thing with those moments. I know now. I know from the inside, especially with QTEs, the amount of work that goes in from an animation team to make mm-hmm. a truly spectacular looking QTE experience is so much, and you're not looking at it. No one's looking at it because they're too busy. Like, oh my gosh, am I supposed to be at triangle now? What about X? Oh, is it circle? Oh no, I died. You're like. I don't. I don't want to look at the buttons. It's like you. It's like when you're walking around the world and your eyes glued to a mini map. Like, what's the what's the, what's the point? Like, people died uh, inside to bring well, this beautiful world to life, and I'll you're admit, looking at dots. <laughs> I'll, admit, I'll admit that you're losing me a little bit here because I really like like. The reason, the reason, it's a cohesive experience, right? I agree that hitting A is not a very engaging quick time event, but it's the cohesive experience of like making sure you do it right and also kind of seeing, like when you're trying to fix something real fast in the real life, you're not also not looking at what's right in front of your face. And that's just video games. Is you're making a lot, you're working really hard on a lot of things that no one will care about really in the aggregate. They'll only care about the sum of, of its parts for the most part. Well, I, I mean, you you just described life. Right, true. <laughs> they, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is everything. The reverse of that is that if you, if I sit down and play a game and you come up with some super clever and highly involved mechanic that's meant to like really mimic the thing that I'm doing, I'm just like, oh god, you're trying too hard. Just let me press A and be done with this. <laughs> like, so I am, I'm the worst. At the end of the day, uh, don't ever try to please me. You're, it's not gonna happen. This is what pleases me. Mm-hmm. This is where I find my joy. 
I want a game. And I discovered this franchise in 2020. This is the game that really that really spoke to me. It's the first time where I was like, I think I actually love video games again. Mm. So I start, Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. I did not like the original Final Fantasy VII. I thought it was um, just kind of a mess. And I, and I loved Final Fantasy games, but I was just like, the story's a mess. It's very hard to track all this. It's really weird. It's kind of... Uh, it's kind of obsessed with itself. It's so overly serious. But the remake came out. I wanted a new final. I wanted. I. It looked pretty. I wanted to play it. Mm-hmm. It's like you know. I'll give it. A, it's been decades. We'll give it a shot. I actually ended up really liking it. I was really enjoying it. And then it got to the um, the sequence where you uh, go to the nightclub and you have the big dance number uh, to 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 get the the guy to to help you out. And the whole dance number is, is built around this, and this guy's talking to you about you know, embracing, accepting how beautiful you are and yeah. elevating yourself and simply being a person, uh, allowing yourself to be the best version of you are and, and feel that and to feel mm. joy and beauty and love of yourself. And I was like, this is so absurd and also sincere at the same mm. like this is this is moving me in a way because mm. that this is what i respond to is i i love uh absurdity and sincerity combined yeah, these yes. two things when uh-huh. they come together i was like this is amazing and i remember texting mitch after i finished it i was like dude i'm crying like i'm literally crying watching this scene is this what the yakuza games are like and he was like kind of a little bit yeah and so, like, that night I jumped online and I bought all of them. I bought every Yakuza game. I started Yakuza 0 and I played through the entire franchise in a year um, from start to finish in, in chronological order. Uh-huh. I had never played a, a, a game like this before and I, I couldn't stop. Now, some some uh, some backstory to this. When this was happening, obviously it was 2020. We had everything going on with COVID. My father was also dying of cancer and I was mm, the sole caretaker taking him to the hospital every day, uh, making sure that my parents uh, were being safe, being masked, not getting um, uh, COVID, which they did yeah. not. Yeah. It was great. But, you know, my life was extremely dark and unpleasant and terrible. And, yeah. you know, I had a three-year-old at home. I had a wife who was working full-time. Um, and I wasn't working at all. I'd stopped working to take care of my dad. So I, this is when I started this process of waking up at 4 a.m. because it was the only time I had to myself at all uh, and and that's when I discovered this beautiful joyful world of Yakuza franchise where you know uh, Kiru Kazuma goes around and, and uses his magical fists to beat people into <laughs> awakening and dawning realizations until their lives and their hearts are fixed and I'm like this this is amazing I like <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's every every single mission. Like you know when you've reached the end of it because the after school special moral music kicks in and he kinda like stares off up at nothing, <laughs> puts on a little hero pose, will say something very uh like uh absurd but also extremely sincere and it's just like like this is this is a beautiful piece of art. And also the thing that it did uh, from one game to another, I don't know if you've ever played them, and as someone who makes games from a narrative standpoint, this is what awed me, is they did something that most games do not do, and they just simply had the conviction to lean into everything that they made. So, like, if you you ended game two with him going off, uh, leaving uh, uh, Tokyo to, to go run an orphanage on a beach... Guess what? You're going to spend half a game three running an orphanage. You're going to have a whole quest line about the That's dangers incredible. of gluten allergies for young kids. And I'm just like, yes, give me yeah. this. I know what? you're still called Yakuza, and at some point I'm going to punch a, ga- a gangster. But what are these kids lost their puppy, and I yeah. need to find that puppy. Um, why, why this game at this time? Like, what was it about the sincerity and silliness that, that really um, landed for you at this moment? I think there was a weird. There's a hopefulness to it mm-hmm. um, that I think, um, and, and and these can be very dark games. Like like uh, there's a lot of uh, you know, uh, I mean it, it's still dealing with 
the Yakuza and certain, you know, red light district in Tokyo and, and mm-hmm. you know, seedy underbelly, corruption, things like that. But, you know, the main character, uh, Kiru, um, you know, he just, he's, he's this weirdly stoic and almost emotionless uh, unflappable guy that just braves it all with the warmest of intentions. Mm. Just, mm. And, you know, we weren't in a great place as a country. You could argue that yeah. we're still not. Um, there's not a lot of, of listening. There's not a lot of uh, people who feel hopeful about things. People just like to, to kind of be angry uh, at each other. I'm not saying people don't have a right to be angry at each other let me let me clarify that but you know it's it was nice to to be able to step away from that for a couple hours every day and you know play a game where even though that stuff still existed there was you know you were playing as a character who genuinely was trying to find a better path forward for himself and other people uh even if he admittedly had to beat it into them <laughs> with his <laughs> magical fists. He never wanted to punch anyone uh-huh. out of a malicious intent. It was always it was always a I have to punch you because you don't realize mm-hmm. how stupid or bad you're being. And so I'm no one else is going to stand up to you. I'm going to have to do it and I've only got these two fists, so I'm just going to beat you until you understand you can't be a deadbeat dad you can't do this it is absurd to uh, a degree that uh you know like there's a point where you're fighting a bear in like (laughs) the middle of a city it's like yeah you know what let's do it (laughs) tonally it sounds like everything everywhere all all at once um the video game a little bit so that's not an unfair comparison yeah, that and that is it. also. A, I tried. I tried like one Yakuza game once, and it just did not have the patience. I just didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't. I like it lost me very quickly. Um, and I struggle with like that genre of Japanese video game too. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll revisit them fair. from the beginning. I would start at zero. I think yeah. z- like z- I'm glad that I did. Uh, zero definitely, as someone who yeah. knew nothing about the culture of the franchise it, or the characters, it. Mm-hmm. And I'm also I'm not gonna I'm not the kind of person who's gonna like watch a uh, a video on YouTube to like fill me in on the details. I'm not gonna read an sure. article about what you need to know. Blah blah blah. I'm just like, yeah. Tell me when I play it. It gave me zero. Yakuza Zero was a, a, a great uh, in to that whole world, and I really felt like it it set me up to to understand what everything was. Uh, so I, I always recommend that one to people starting out. Um, but I think I, uh, everything everywhere all at once. I think is a very apt comparison. Um, and the the other movie uh, made made by those directors and writers, uh, Swiss Army Man, uh-huh. uh, is one of my personal favorite films of all time. Um, just a beautiful piece of absurdist um, art that um, pushes it goes it, there's not many movies that actually surprise me there's not many anything that actually surprised me I write stories for a living I mean so like yeah uh, I, I my wife hates it because I, I I tend to see things coming and I, I very specific I remember watching Swiss Army Man and being like I I have no idea what's coming next. Every single yeah, thing. Um, I feel like if there's one thing I'm learning about something I asked you at the beginning, which is kind of like how has your game playing been affected by what you did? Not necessarily just with Spec Ops, but over time. Is that it's harder to gut punch you. Um, you, you seem to see those things coming and, and not be as affected by them. And so you're a little like like you need something that is going to truly break barriers in those ways um, so he it's great that you bring that up actually because here's the thing there's there's a couple there's two things that, when i sit down and play a game i want to i don't want a game that's necessarily about my agency i have yeah. agency uh in my life and i know not everyone feels entirely empowered in their own life so like having the fantasy of, of being empowered in a video game is very strong uh, yeah. I, I'm lucky to I, I live the life that I want to live 
for the most part, day to day. So when I sit down to play a video game, I'm not, there's not too many fantasies that I'm aching to fulfill. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I sit down to, and this is really with any kind of art, but video games in particular, I want to see the artist in the art. I want to see what yeah. Yeah. they were wanting to show me. And mm-hmm. if that comes through very strongly, um, that, that'll have an impact on me because now I feel, I feel like I'm interacting with a piece of personal work. Uh, and I'm understanding someone that I've possibly never even met before. I'm understanding them on a deeper level. On the flip side, a game that puts me into a position that I suddenly find myself very uh, emotionally and mentally lined up with that I was not expecting to be, where I see myself in a game so fully and it did not happen because I made the choice to, to go down that path, but yeah. the game has guided me to this moment. Uh, and the perfect example of this is uh, the ending of The Last of Us Part 1. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people did not like that ending sequence. And uh, I am one of the people who liked it very much because I 100% uh, empathized with yeah. the decision that Joel made. Uh, I will. I I hesitate to say I would have done the same thing because if I had been in the same situation, I probably would have been shot by the first person I ran into. Let's let's be honest. I'm not some <laughs> right. video game super soldier. Uh-huh. Um, but when faced with that choice, my emotional point was, oh yeah, no, absolutely, you're all gonna die. I'll burn this world down to save the one person that I care about. I mm-hmm. do not care. Because I don't know the world. I don't care about the world. I care about her. Mm, and yeah, mm-hmm. I will absolutely 100% kill every single one of you to save her. Um, totally totally in on the moment. And am yeah. I going to tell her that? Nope. Not a chance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Absolutely no. I did the wrong thing. Going to lie to her face. Love it. Like wow, 100% yeah. all in. And yeah. the, only t- the only moment I felt any guilt about it is when you go into the surgical room. And one of the surgeons holds a, a scalpel up at you. Doesn't attack, um, but the surgeon was still holding a scalpel. And in my mind, my my emotional reaction was he could hurt her. Mm. Wasn't like I need to defend myself, but like he could hurt her. And so I shot the surgeon. I killed that surgeon. The other surgeons don't raise a weapon at you. And that surgeon possibly would have done nothing. Mm. I didn't. I may not have had to kill them, but. I did. And that was the only time where I looked back on it. I was like, maybe that one was unnecessary. I didn't kill the other surgeons because mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't raise any sign of a possible threat. They want, they all mm-hmm. backed away. But yeah, the, I mean, the only time that I ever actually questioned my actions in that sequence was, was that one particular surgeon. And that just the fact that I do question my actions in that sequence at all, that's how in the moment I was uh-huh. yeah. that I look yeah. back at that moment and go, Maybe I was wrong in that one case. Yeah. And so I love that moment. And I know a lot of my friends strongly, strongly disagree with me. And, you know, then you, there are other choices. Walking Dead season one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember I was, I was having lunch with some of the Telltale people. And they were asking me what you did, what I did when, um, and I don't remember the characters' names now because it was so long ago. You have the guy with the mustache, right? Clementine Big old mustache, trucker caps. Yeah, yeah, and he has a son, and his son gets oh, yeah. bitten. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And they were like, well, what did you do? And I was like, well, I shot the kid. Of course I <laughs> shot the kid. And they were like, you would shoot a kid? I was like, no, I wouldn't shoot a kid. But I wouldn't make my best friend shoot his own kid. That's <laughs> right. way worse than shooting a kid. Right. Like, right. if your best friend's kid's about to turn to a zombie and the only way to stop him is to shoot him in the face... You don't let your best friend do that. You're a terrible best friend if you let your best friend do that. You do it for them. You carry that weight for the rest of your life. That's what friends do. And they were all really shocked. And I was like, you're all, I was the one who was like, you're all horrible people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not That's letting any of you near my child in a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Um, at the end of every show, we, we do something called the feelings wheel. We, we like to spin it. It's a wheel that's used by counselors to help their clients identify their emotions. So there's 82 different emotions here, and um, I'm going to just spin the wheel, and you're going to tell me a game that's made you feel the emotion it lands on. Oh, my so gosh, what's a game 82 emotions. Made? I only have, like, five. 
<laughs> That's go. what you think. That's what you think. <laughs> what game has made you feel nervous? Oh gosh. Um. I mean, I guess you would classify nervous. The the quarry. It makes me feel nervous constantly. Mm-hmm. Um. And we talked about it earlier. I have to like pause the game and like pace around sometimes. Uh. uh to just like get back down to feeling calm enough to moving forward to the next step because I, I don't I don't like jump scares. Um, yeah. Gore doesn't bother me, but like if, if you're going to jump out of me or even just like, I'll turn around like, Oh, my wife is suddenly in the room and I didn't hear her come uh-huh. in. I'm going to scream. <laughs> right. So like, uh, a game like the quarry or, or until dawn. Oh, it's just, just like, it's, it's unbearable. It's like watching someone blow a balloon to the, to the point where you think it's going to pop and it just won't pop, but it keeps going. And you're like, what, what are you doing? Just constant constant unending nervousness um what else i know there's more because i nerve here's the thing i'm a nervous guy i don't know if you've noticed oh, interesting. I'm fidgeting yeah. a lot uh sure. my minds and eyes that are all over the place of, I'm, that comes out of a kind of nervousness like like yeah what, um i mean i'm trying to think of through like what is nervousness versus fear or being scared um and what what's the difference between those two things it feels like it has an energy that's like that, like like which is kind of that nervous fidgeting thing. Um, it comes with that, you know. Um, but it also like it has this negative anticipation. I guess. I guess it sort of a cousin. There is, yeah. It, it's a mixture. Like you know, you're you're nervous when you get up in front of a class or a group mm-hmm. of people and you have to talk. Mm-hmm. But that you're right, and that's why I hesitated to say the quarry at first because I I agree with you. Nervousness, it, it it's such a broad emotion. And it's not necessarily fear. Games that make me feel, uh, I guess you could say physically itchy. Plague's Tale, rats don't really bother me, but like knowing like when they're swarming all around you and you've got like um, anything that's like, you know, the torch or lamp and it could go away and they're just like swarms of like deadly things moving and they could bust out of the ground or collapse you in. Like um, that's kind of a... There's a nervousness to that. Yeah. Um, games you know what I thought of? I thought of Fortnite when, when I'm, like, around the last two or three people. Because when you're talking about being ner- nervous to b- speak in front of the class, that's something you're trying to do well, right? You're, and yes. you're afraid that you're going to screw it up. It's like a, a moment of big potential that you might squander, and that's that's one for me. I got it. That yeah. was okay. You you just made my I there was something tickling my brain and I was trying to uh-huh. find it and you when the way you described Fortnite click Mario 64 because there is oh. nothing worse in the world than trying to get like all of the coins in a thing or slide down yeah. with a penguin and getting almost to the end for the right. 12th time and then like yeah. slightly tapping the wrong direction and going off and dying and like there is the nervousness of failure in Mario 64. I feel mm-hmm. like kids who started playing games now these days, if they have gone back, they don't know the nervousness that came from games that were designed to kill you. And I'm not not, not like Dark Souls, like, oh, it's so hard. You have to get, no, like games that are just like, frankly, poorly designed when it came to like input <laughs> like there's so many like so many times i play mario 64 because we got it uh and we were i was playing it with my kid this year and i would like i want to pick up this thing oh nope i did a backflip into lava never mind so many buttons do so many different things you are not in control of the situation in the way that yes. you really should be and the comparison to dark souls is really interesting when i die in dark souls i find it well to be to be clear i've never played any of the souls games except elden ring i'm just mapping that on to dark souls but when i die in elden ring i find it hysterical i think it's the funniest thing in the world and the reason is because i put myself in that position and i have i have found my cosmic fate as a result right and it's that that Mar- that mario like moment that you're describing is Something like, I hope that no dumb thing happens that's built into this game for some reason that is going to mess up this perfect thing I'm doing, you know? Um, yes. Which is exactly the feeling of, I'm standing up in front of the class and someone, I hope no one bullies me in the middle of this presentation. Yes. yes. Why would you 
ever do this to yourself? Right. Well, so, so that's the question: is Is it worth it? So for you, it's not worth it. It's, it's not n- worth the. It's not worth the nervousness. It's never and the, and the failure. Not at this stage in life. I'm I'm way closer to death, <laughs> right. man. I'm way closer yeah. to death. Like yeah. I I could, again, like if you, like I said, I've going back to film real fast. First ninety minutes mm-hmm. are free. Like there's a certain time limit. I don't care how hard you are. I don't care how much first station you can give me. If you're within, if I can fit you within a certain time limit, I'm yours. That's great. Yeah. But like the the demands on a game like that are so many hours. I like I feel at this point in life, I feel my life literally ticking away. Uh, mm-hmm. When I'm like, do I need to hundred percent this? I don't need hundred percent anything. Should I play this on yeah. hard? Absolutely not. No. What's the easiest thing you're going to give me? I want to play on that mode. Because I want to experience yeah. this whole thing. I don't want to, like, I don't need an artificial difficulty because literally life is hard all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I want to be entertained, I want to be entertained. I just, I don't, I don't need my, my entertainment to hate me that much, yeah. says the guy who wrote Spec Ops. I do resonate with Walt's demand to be entertained. So often I, I do go to games to live out a fantasy you know, or for escapism or, or just generally to supplement my life when there's something that's missing from it. I, I use video games to cope. But then other times I go to video games to be surprised or even gut punched. It's in those times I want them to do what Walt was talking about, to see the artist in the art. I think a lot of people went to Spec Ops expecting the first thing, to be entertained. And then they ended up getting the second thing. And that was such a gut punch, specifically in this instance for them, probably because of Walt's mental state when he was making that game. He was putting all of that into the art. What he was feeling in that moment of time was in the game. Everything he was feeling about the industry, he worked in about his role in that industry and and even how all of that sort of changed how he saw himself and i think people felt that when they played it like they really felt it and i think for a lot of people that was a hard thing i know people felt all kinds of ways about that game but i think the reaction itself reflected people who felt strong feelings and those feelings weren't about whether or not the game accomplished what it set out to do. They were feelings about what the game actually said. And to me, that represents a job well done. This has been Video Game Feelings. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out our show more regularly and you're not already subscribed, please do subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of the podcast apps that you like to use. Check out our uh, Twitter also. We'll we'll let you know every time we have a new episode there so you're never out of the loop. Check us out on Twitter at vidgamefeelings. Oh, yeah. If you are enjoying the show, please rate, review us. Tell your friends. Tweet about us. I love, like, positive affirmation. It makes me feel good. That's why I play video games. They're always affirming me. Be my video game. (laughs) Affirm me. I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Have a good week. See you next week. This is an area code podcast.